0: Welcome to the Lamaz Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Lamaz Podcast. Hello. Welcome to the Lamaz Podcast, where we hang out and chat about all things pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum. Lamaze International is a global community committed to supporting families from pregnancy to parenthood, and this podcast is an extension of our passion, which has been to not only educate, but also journey alongside families for over 60 years. Lamaze is more than breathing. Our six healthy birth practices and evidence-based education serve as the perfect foundation promoting safe and empowering pregnancy, birth, and postpartum experiences. Let's get started. My name is Robin Gibson-Douthit, and I am your host for today's podcast. I am a Lamaze-certified childbirth educator, birth doula, and lactation counselor living and working in the heart of New York City. I offer education, support, and advocacy through my company, Flourishing Birth. I'm happy to be back, continuing my childbirth luminary series. Today, I'm talking with Eboo Robin Lim. Ibu Robin is a Filipino-American midwife, mother, grandmother, author of books such as The Ecology of Gentle Birth, Wellness for Mothers, and Eating for Two, just to name a few. And she's a mentor to so many, including me. She was chosen CNN Hero of the Year in 2011 and is founder of Bumi Sahat. Bumi means Earth Mother and Sahat means healthy. Ibu Robin is passionate about human rights in childbirth, and she believes that each individual is an essential piece of peace. To clarify, this means we are all a part of what creates peace on earth. So protecting mothers and babies is what will build peace. One mother, one baby, one family at a time. Welcome, Ibu Robin.
0: Salama Pagi Robin. So nice oh. to see
1: you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> It is it's such an honor and a pleasure to be able to to speak to you. I can't wait to to share all of what you're doing with 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 everyone. So you've been living and working in Indonesia for
0: about thirty years now. what 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 actually brought you to Bali? Mm. So I was living in Maui, Hawaii. God bless them right now. They're going through so much. And the birth keepers there, the midwives and the doulas, by the way, are really stepping up and serving those families who've been left homeless and who are grieving and in trauma. They're making sure that they have everything they they need and also prenatal care, childbirth services and and, uh, mental spiritual health services, too. So our love to those doulas and midwives out there in Maui, right, going through that. Big climate change crisis. Okay, so I was living in Maui for 13 years. And for most of that time, I was a single mother. And then I had met my husband, Will. And um, he was a widower. I had gone through a year where, less than a year, where my sister died of a complication of her third pregnancy. Um, because in Alabama, you should not be a woman of color. And you should not be a larger person. She wasn't a supermodel. She was a, a larger woman. And she told her OBGYN she had insurance and she was in the care of an OBGYN. And she told him that she was having headaches. She had swollen hands, feet and face. She Her blood pressure was off the rails, but the person who took the blood pressure in the other room did not um, advise the doctor. And he said it was totally fine. Everything was fine. It was her third baby. And he didn't have time today to look into it, but he'd see her in a week. And she didn't make it through the night. She, my sister, passed away from a massive um, eclamptic um, event in the middle of the night. And my grand, my my nephews had to find their mother in the morning. And so. That was very traumatic. And that really, I was at that time writing my first book after the baby's birth. And my publisher was really excited that my sister was due when the book was coming out. So she, we were, we were going to make sure she had the first copy in her hands. And then we lost her. At the same time, uh, my midwife who had caught um, two of my children, she passed away in a terrible accident. And then one of my dearest friends in the world, my friend Brenda, um, who we shared our our pregnancies with, uh, she was in New Jersey, and she had a. She was killed in a terrible accident, leaving her husband um, and her two children without her. So uh, then, when Will came back to Maui with the children, and we ended up over time, the children wouldn't leave my side. Over time, we ended up married. So it was it it was it grew from tragedy, but it galvanized my commitment because uh, having lost three of the closest women in my life. I had to ask myself that question. Are you living for love every single day? And my answer was sometimes. And I was, I had a wonderful job. I was poet in the schools for Maui County. I was with incredible kids. They'd send me to schools where they had traumas so that they could bring their poetry out and their word medicine. I was growing our food. Most of our food, I was teaching my children how to garden and take care of chickens and geese and ducks and and goats. We were milking goats, but I wasn't living for love every day. It was a total compromise, and I had to admit that to myself. And then suddenly this opportunity came up um, when Will and I I got together, because I was a single mom for a while, and Will and I got together, and this opportunity came up to come to Bali. So we came, and we thought we'd be here three months, and then I was offered a job teaching, which would keep us here a year, and we thought, why not? And during that time, we learned how to live in a village. We learned what was missing, even in Hawaii, as Americans, what we were missing. And what I miss so much because I grew up part of the time in the Philippines with my Filipino grandmother, who was a traditional birth attendant. She was a hila, And uh, so I really started to understand what was going on here in Bali. I got pregnant almost immediately with our youngest son, Hanuman, and he was born here in the village. And after that, the the Dukin Ba'i, the traditional baby catchers, started to come to me in the middle of the night and say, Can you help us? Because the maternal mortality rate on this island was off the rails 30 years ago. And so, and then I got surprises like someone, we had one of we had the second phone in this village. And once we got that phone, the phone would ring and it would be someone from the hospital saying, All the doctors are on board, there's been a big bus accident, there's nobody in high-risk delivery can we send someone to pick you up and bring you in? And I was a fledgling student midwife and I would be suddenly faced with six births an hour in, in Sangwa hospital. And they were trusting me with these um, unbelievably beautiful, amazing, strong, brave women. And I just decided that this is where I was needed and this is where I would stay. And uh, then we did our first birth, myself and a, a team of midwives that I helped to get through their educations, because when, when a young woman from a poor village, from a family that can't afford to educate any of their children, has a dream to serve her people, she should be fulfilled in that dream. And so I started raising money. You know, even back then, 30 years ago, I would just get miracles, women who were in bridge clubs would contact me and say, how can we help? And I'd say, well, can you raise the money to put this one girl through midwifery school? And they'd say, we can try and they'd do it. And then one by one, we had this little army of midwives and we did prenatal care in the little, the beautiful grass roof space above my kitchen. And then at some point we were going door to door, which many of these people didn't have doors. They had a sarong hanging in the doorway. They had, pounded dirt floors. Some of them had actually cemented their floors, but they had no tiles yet because they're little by little were living off of what they could possibly scratch out of a life. And uh, and the young midwives and I would go door to door and do births. And finally, the Department of Health came to me and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, if I'm doing something wrong, you have to deport me. But I feel like I'm doing the divine creator's work. Just stop me if I'm doing something wrong. And they said, just build a clinic. If you build a birthing clinic, we're going to be okay. I mean, it was a zillion steps between that, and lots of regulations, and you know things like, no, these boutique curtains made by your by your mothers here are not okay. They're too happy. You have to put plain curtains up. And then they'd say, you have to put plain curtains, and you have to cut them babies umbilical cords immediately. So we'd say, thank you for that information. We changed the curtains and we keep doing delay court clapping and cutting for 3 hours or more. You have to really follow the regulations and the laws of the country you're in. But you can also do the right thing. I believe that if you're doing the divine creator's work and you're following that as your as your base rule, you're going to you're going to be you're going to come up okay. And it sounds like you were
1: absolutely called to this and to this place because there was such a need for you there. and of course, whenever that happens, doors open and there's provision and blessing and it's so so beautiful to hear that it it just kind of unfolded in in that way. And I, I've heard you describe Bumi Sahat as being born out of a need for respectful and loving and free prenatal birth and postpartum care. Can you? Can you go a little into um, about the services that you provide at
0: Bumi Sahat? Sure. So we do do uh, it's in Bali. We have quite a large clinic. We call it the mothership because upstairs in our office, in our big open office with our incredible team, we are running six childbirth center community health centers in two countries. We have two in the Philippines and four in Indonesia. And each of those grew out of need. The one in Lombok, we had big earthquakes in 2018 and we couldn't abandon the people after, after the, after the initial disaster was over and all the NGOs leave. Well, you can't just abandon people because everyone who's pregnant still has to have their baby. The ones in the Philippines were after that major super typhoon high end that happened in 2013. The f- the second clinic after Bali was in Aceh after the um, Indian Ocean tsunami, which, if you Google it, will say that 230,000 people died that day. But wow. the military told me that in Korea, over 400,000 people died. So, I mean, there's nothing more devastating. And it's, I just returned from there and I have to say, our team is so beautiful. They all married each other. <laughs> there's now 14 children wow. on the campus they've built a beautiful tiny botanic gardens in the little wetlands behind us where the where the little tiny yellow birds and the blue herons come and the and the children go fishing and it's just like they and they live in incredible poverty that team i could not believe they don't tell me things like they're so afraid that i'll close the clinic if we don't have enough funding and i keep saying to them we'll find the funding we'll find it but for example Almost two years ago, the refrigerator broke down. They had fixed it numerous, numerous times, but it broke down forever. And they didn't tell me that they are living on the equator with no refrigerator. Wow. So we fixed it. I immediately bought them a refrigerator. It wasn't even that much for, you know, in that area, it wasn't that much. And, and they were taking care of not just pregnant people, but
1: also children, the elderly. Was it a, a, a general clinic for anyone and everyone who is needing care.
0: Yes. And in that area, people still come every evening, you know, after Marguerite, it's a Muslim area. They're, they're, you know, it's kind of beautiful how devoted they are to their faith and how much their faith is involved in sharing peace in the world. And they, whereas Bali's more Hindu. And um, they show up right after their Marguerite prayer, after sunset, right about as the sun is setting. And they'll just have a cookie and a cup of tea. And they'll tell the story again and again, how their wife died and they lost all their children. And this is the miracle is right there in that little clinic, people meet each other and they get married and they have one more baby and they start their families over from nothing, from nothing. I mean, it was our first, I don't know how many births were in tents and then we we brought a giant saw from bali and we cut trees that fell from the tsunami and we we made them into boards and we built the first clinic wow. and we're still there still there uh this december it'll be 19 years and uh yeah I, and the team is incredibly devoted they don't imagine any other life our first baby born there hoba and our first staff baby um uh, was yeah it was just Incredible. He told me he's finishing high school now, and he asked me if I would help him to become a dentist because he said Bumisehat doesn't have a dentist, and I just want to live my whole life here. He was born there, and he's lived his entire life on the clinic grounds. It's a beautiful place, but he's you know beautiful, but very very minimal. Like I, I found out that they were all sharing one squat toilet because they didn't want to use the toilets in the clinic because they felt like those should be saved for the patients. Uh, So right now I'm raising money. We are going to build them houses because they have one six room ashram where each family has one room. There's six families. So
1: we're going to, we're definitely going to ask you (laughs) to give us that information and for how to donate and help and support this, this community that is in, in such need and, so loving at the same time it's it's amazing how people are coming together
0: um out of necessity and it's just people with trauma there that are afraid to go to the ocean they're ocean people and they're fisher people and some of them are still afraid to go to the ocean so every sunday they have beach day and they meet at the clinic and they take anyone that's in trauma who wants to go to the beach to go and touch the water they still do that trauma care i mean it's Unbelievable. Um. Papuan people are Black. And even in Indonesia, the darker your skin is, the fewer human rights you have. Mm. It is, it's is—it's pretty horrible. You know, when the schools of medicine are sending their student surgeons to do practice surgeries on Papuan people because they're Black and they don't matter. Right? Mm. But every mother counts. Every mother counts really cares about Black Lives Matter. And so they really helped me keep the Papua clinic open and they're so busy catching babies there. Our midwives are incredible. It's a, it's a small clinic. We've built a special birth room for mothers who have HIV or malaria or, or COVID so that they don't have to go to the big public hospital. They can department of health has given us a special, a special permission to keep our moms who have special needs because they don't because they'll be operated on. How many midwives? Even they don't need it. In Papua, we have, I believe right now we have five staff midwives, plus we have volunteer midwives from the School of Midwifery, and there's 10 of them. And they're always there. The OBGYN uh from the hospital there, he comes every morning for breakfast mm-hmm. because. There's so much malaria right now in Papua that his wife and daughter are back home in Bandung, Java, and he really misses them. And he's um he's he's gaining a lot of weight. His wife is saying to me, Tell them to feed him more like slim foods because <laughs> Well, he's eating well and being cared for. It's all that love too, I bet. And the, wives and the you know, it's just it's such a beautiful project in Papua. And and anytime I go to our outer clinics, I don't want to leave, you know, it's just to go there and sleep and eat and live at the Bumi Sehat Birth Center in Papua and then to have the mothers come in from, and they come from the mountains from the borderlands between Indonesia and Papua New Guinea. So we're in Indonesia, Papua, but they come from the borderlands and these women, they live completely on, you know, what they can grow in the term roots. They carry the nokun bags, the woven bags made out of special grasses that they wear on their heads and they put their baby in there and their roots and a, a baby pig. And they, they're just um, amazing, amazing and women from the interior are getting prenatal care and birth services from our midwives there. Oh, There's also a lake there where people on the outer islands of that lake have no medical care at all. Our midwives row out there in dugout canoes.
1: Wow. That is amazing. One of the things that I personally find, most beautiful and compelling is your belief that um, everyone should have respectful, thorough, uh, intentional care or with love and warmth and joy, not just coming from each other, but from the caregivers specifically towards the the patients who who are in need, and that's something that we we see rarely. I think everywhere. And you were just outlining just how, how, how powerfully needed that is um, in your part of the world. Can you describe what you, what you witness personally with mamas and their babies and, and with the people you're taking care of, because recognizing that you're, you're not just about mamas and babies, you're about community. And that's, young people, teenagers, the elderly, the entire community as a whole. Um, w- w- what do you what do you see and witness personally um in in this place where you're building this 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 love and this peace um and and supporting people in whatever stage they are in their life as a midwife as a caregiver.
0: Mm. Well, one of the things that we as midwives and caregivers at Bumi sehat and and that includes the people that are that are housekeeping and the people that are helping keep our garden together and, you know, washing our bloody sheets and and the toilets, they're on the medical team because they keep us hygienic. You know, we do these team building things where we all, we split the team in half and we'll go for an overnight up in the mountains. There's this really adorable Catholic retreat center that the people from Flores built up there and they just give us their space for the weekend and we'll go up there for a night and we'll stay together and we'll make sure that everyone remembers everything about each other, you know, and so that the doctors aren't just having lunch with the doctors and the nurses, you know. We're all eating together with everyone and everyone is equal. And everyone, by the way, gets a six month paid maternity leave when they have a baby and then they can bring their baby to work and everybody helps. And we love it. Wow. And, and that kind of love that when you love each other, and we always say family first, then it's so easy to love the person who's in front of you that's sick. That's maybe they're preeclamptic and to assume that a mother who's pregnant has enough food is is not a good assumption and you can never ask her are you eating enough because that shames her so we make food available during the pandemic farmers were coming and bringing us vegetables so that we could bundle them in banana leaves in big bundles and every mother after prenatal care would just put it in her hands and then we had about Different areas of the island. Every two weeks, there was 200 plus families that got some bako, which is basic foods, five kilos of rice, a little bit of cooking oil, some sweet potatoes, a big flat of a couple dozen eggs, you know, so they'd have protein because they were growing their vegetables, but they didn't have food. And so we just really try never to assume. And also we remember that never to assume that your mother who's pregnant is getting enough love at home. She might not be. And so really prenatal care starts when you arrive at Bumi Sehat and our receptionist hugs you. Now, during COVID, we couldn't hug, but we could tell our women, we could say, we wish we could hug you, but we're smiling at you and we love you. And we love you. And they really heard that. And then when you're, you know, remember just, what was it? Not that many months ago, we were in full PPE, you know, the doulas, the midwives, the nurses, the doctors, everyone, even housekeeping, was wearing these crazy, I mean, hazmat suits. But we would say to the mothers, look at our eyes. We are loving you with our eyes. And we can massage you. We can give you the kind of care. And I have to say, for all those people in in birthing care, doulas are essential. Please include the doulas because they make you a better midwife, they make you a better doctor, they really make you a better nurse, they make you a better medical team when you have doulas on board. Absolutely, and- absolutely.
1: It, and that that actually leads to my next question because I know that you believe uh, quite deeply in doula support for birthing people and you provide these really lovely doula trainings um, in Bali. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about Eat, um, Pray, Doula um, and and all the beautiful work you're doing there with uh, Deborah Pascale Benaro and um, the beautiful Malaland. and um, you're you, you're holding these trainings. I actually went. To one, I didn't go to one. It was online, unfortunately. I know you opened it up this year, and I was seeing that you, it was fabulous on through through Instagram all the beautiful parts of the doula training that were happening, and the waterfalls, and the food, and just all of the love. It was so 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 gorgeous. Um, I, I remember last year, even though it was online, we were able to look at each other through the the virtual. A meeting that we were having. And I remember there was one time you were giving a talk and while you were sharing, you were waiting for a mama who was just in the next room having a baby. And you you said to us, she's very close. So I'm just listening out and you would share. And, and it was what you were sharing was so deeply powerful. And then every once in a while you would stop and just kind of look and over to where the doorway was where she was, and you would be listening to see if she was calling for you. And it just it touched my heart and amazed me that you were literally holding space in -hmm. in two places with us and with her. And I I felt it was the other interesting thing about it about that is that I felt you fully there for for both for both us in the the postpartum training and also for for her and yeah I'd love for you to talk about about that training because I know there are quite a few people who are thinking about wanting to be a doula but not sure how to go about doing it and what kind of training for birth doula um uh, to become a birth doula or to become a postpartum doula or to become both. I know that you provide that um what if anyone who is interested in in this how do they how do they get involved? How do they reach out and sign up for these these beautiful workshops that are having happening in in Bali.
0: Thank you so much and Deborah and Pascali Bonaro and Mala Lance we call her Mala Light are so amazing yes. uh last um we had them in it, we usually have them in march and in 2024 20, they will be in march april we'll kind of squeeze into april a little bit we'll have the doula dona certification it's you get all of the pieces you need to to go for dona certification and then you still have to do your your three births um wherever you are and um i have to tell you our our graduates are just rocking it. I can't believe the beautiful births they're doing. And, and many of them are making their living, which, hallelujah, you know, people who are helping in childbirth, need, they need to support their families too. Yes. And Deborah pasquale benaro has been a pioneer in really getting insurance companies to look at that and say, look, you can pay for a high cesarean rate and compared to paying a doula, why, why not go for the doula, you know? It exactly. is, effective, and and it's just so much more satisfying for the mother, you know. It's just so much more satisfying and well trained doulas, and Deborah's really good. But we brought in, um, we brought in the the Mexican midwife who has really shared Rebozo with the world, and she was here. Actually, stayed with us here. Our doula training center is right next door to my house, and so we call it Peace Kitchen. And it's an amazing, beautiful spot. We also brought in Jenny Joseph, who I'm sure... If, yes. If Jenny Joseph, please Google her. She was... Uh, in 2022, she was one of Time Magazine's Women of the Year. She is... Amazing. <laughs> she's a revolution with a small R and a big E in her... <laughs> and what a and, treat you were
1: able to, to have her come and, and share.
0: So, and both Jenny... And Noli are coming back for our advanced course this coming year. And one of the things that people's tuition pays for is to make a lot of Indonesian and Filipino doulas. So we scholarship people in. Um, and that is so special. And it begins with morning yoga, but the yoga is prenatal yoga. So you're really getting your, your body in touch with what works for our pregnant women. And I mean, it's just It is beautiful. It's a beautiful training, and I look forward to it every year. And this year, we dovetailed it with International Childbirth Initiative. I mean, sorry, International Confederation of Midwives had their big triennial congress in Bali. So there were over 3,000 midwives that descended on this island. And the day before the congress, we had the International Childbirth Initiative Day at Bumi a It was a pre-congress event. Almost 250 midwives from all over the world came. Uh, It was beautiful and a a delegation from each of our teams of our six centers, because we are International Childbirth Initiative demonstration sites, all of us. So if you haven't, anyone who hasn't uh, read the, the International Childbirth Initiative, it's in many languages and just Google it. It's so beautiful. And the work has been done. You know, with Deborah Pascali Bonaro and the International Childbirth Initiative team, what ended up evolving, and it happened just before COVID, and it has not been implemented because the world experienced a pandemic together. And but there are twelve steps the the International um, Mother Baby Childbirth Initiative that that really got breastfeeding and all of those gentle things that happened on the women's level through hospitals. Has now become the vision statement for FIGO, Federation International Gynecologists and Obstetricians. I had mixed feelings about it because I felt like the price and all of these things were were keeping m- most indigenous midwives in the world out. And um, we really talked about that a lot. And we, you know, anyway, it was it was quite emotional. But to have three thousand midwives from all over the world descend on one island, and every mother counts made sure that Indonesians got to go by giving us a grant to be able to pay for their tuition to go in. And so we had a whole bunch of midwives from many, many islands, um, some from our teams and some from other uh, midwifery teams that got into the ICM Congress. It was beautiful. And so so it's
1: a, it sounds like you're getting um a lot of support from people who are coming to the island for training as as doulas, post birth doulas, postpartum doulas and um and with Dance the
0: fills up usually really fast. Um I think we yeah there are a few places left for 2024 but I think because once a doulas done training with us they really want to take the advanced. They want to deepen that. And so that usually fills up even before the birth doula course. But I got to say that a well-trained doula, there's nothing like it. And please, doulas, stay in your lane. If someone tries to hire you to be a doula and they are going to have a home birth without a midwife there, it's really important that you don't don't do that because if something wrong, you'll get blamed. And doulas are important to lose them. We can't be losing doulas.
1: Absolutely.
0: And I, I recognize
1: that as part of your training. I remember um, you talking about that uh, extensively, threading it throughout our our postpartum doula training last year. You want to definitely be careful um, as a doula to not overstep. You, know, you want to make sure you're not saying or doing anything that can be misconstrued as as being clinical, because you're right, that can really There's issues for others that will come. Yeah. That will come after them. Definitely. Oh my goodness. We need them. Yes. Yes, we do.
0: Doulas and midwives and all the birth keepers need to take breaks when they can.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. You, you sent me an article a couple of days ago that I read about uh, a doula who was really just exhausted since COVID. Thank you for sending that, by the way. And it is so true and and often not something that people who just keep giving and giving and giving in this way stop to think about when they're so deep in the work. You yourself are, are <laughs> really just working so hard and, and pouring out love i'm i'm trusting that you're taking good care of yourself that article really awakened in me the understanding that you have to stop or else if you burn out you're not going to be
0: good for 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 anyone so i like that you said that thank you and nicola as uh, a scottish midwife and interestingly enough she's practicing muslim so she really sees what's going on in those communities. I mean, you talk, you know, she talked about the high rate of death from COVID in her community in Scotland and how hard that was. She just she just shines. She really
1: does. She yeah. shines. And and she needs to keep shining because doulas are so are so necessary. My my yeah. last question for you is
0: how can people get involved in supporting Bumi Sahat? Well, first of all, family first. So take care of your family and yourself. Um, That means that when someone in your family, when your niece has a baby, no matter how her birth goes, be there to help her breastfeed because breastfeeding, 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 it's just so important for babies. It's so important for families. You know, fathers don't realize it until the system fails their partner and then they end up having to buy infant formula and the price is astronomical and and it's just it doesn't even compare to what mothers can make in their own bodies and so we need to support our families and this happens all the time with our doulas and our midwives is that and our nurses that someone in their family is having a baby and they really need to step up so family first um and then when all of you become incredibly prosperous (laughs) just Go on Bumi Sehat and Google us um, where we have a website and you can give through our website. You also can watch our global giving. If you, if you go on my Instagram and send me a message or my Facebook messenger, I don't check those messages as well as I could. Or if you know someone who knows me, send me a WhatsApp and um, I can alert you to global giving campaigns where they do matches. We have one coming up um, in September. So there'll be like a five days in September where if you give if you give it'll be matched, and oh, it's wonderful. really. If you have a mailing list. I'll send you that. Wonderful. Um, yes. So, yes. Perfect. We love. You know, we don't have a big Gates Grant or something, but we do have. You know, when there's a disaster, direct relief steps up for us, and there are many disasters in this part of the world. There's so many disasters in the world now.
1: You just had an earthquake out and around there recently.
0: We did have an earthquake, unfortunately. It wasn't disastrous. It was a little scary for people. Mm. Um two and a half years ago we had one that really that, that really was just devastating. But again, not nearly to the degree like what what's going on right now in Morocco and the floods in Libya and You know, the world is so in distress. One of the things that I do teach is, and that comes up for our advanced course, is being a birth keeper in the age of climate crisis and what that means and how you'll be called and how we can help to mitigate that suffering.
1: Because it's affecting everything, right?
0: Everything, everyone, and how, you know, the, every everyone. Everyone is, everyone is in the trauma response in the world now and our mothers are feeling it and it really comes up in childbirth and how we can help prepare a mom to be, you know, to rock her birth, you know, just because the mothers have to do the work. We're there in support. We can do so much to help her, but we can only do so much. Um, what we do for her in preparation, what we do for her after the actual birth is super important. You know, we're laying foundation for the peaceful next generation. We really are. I love
1: that that that's right, one birth, one mama, one baby at a time. Peace on earth. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Thank you so much Ibu Robin. I wish we could go on and on and on and and just keep chatting about birth and all of the beautiful things you're doing out in Bali with Bumi Sahat. Um, I want to, before we say goodbye, ask you a fun random question. That's how I end my my interviews. Um, And you can have some time to think about this if you need. My question is for you. You already live in a beautiful, exotic, perfect getaway destination for most, Um, but if you had one month to travel anywhere you wanted away from home, where would you go?
0: (laughs) Right now I would go to the Philippines to visit our midwives there because I haven't been since the pandemic and they miss me and I miss them horribly. And they're doing such a good job. You know, every day I get the photos of the new, the new moms holding and breastfeeding their babies from the six locations. And this is like no matter how hard the news is no matter how sad it is i get to share this with our people all over all over southeast asia you know i mean indonesia philippines is for me yeah and i would i would spend some time i haven't been to lombok i was in lombok right after the earthquakes and i helped them get it together and i found the funding so that we could build a proper clinic there in gunung sari it's a it's a beautiful neighborhood well several villages that has a third Muslim, a third Christian, and a third Hindu people living in harmony. And they needed a a community health and childbirth clinic. So we built one. But since the clinic has gone up, I haven't been able to return. So that's one of the things I would do is go visit Lombok, which is only one island away. But there's so many, you know, there's so many pulls on my life. And I just feel like I have to listen to divine creator. And wherever I'm supposed to be is exactly where I'll be put. Yes. But thank you for the question. Yes. And and
1: doing that that wonderful work that you're doing. It sounds like you have a heart for it everywhere. Even when you're <laughs> thinking about different destinations to go to, there's something there to do for you and, and love to spread.
0: Love it. You know, I mean, to go and sleep on TICAR mats on the floor with our midwives and wait for the mommies to rub their backs in labor and to be there for them. And to help them breastfeeding, that first breastfeeding, that the first embrace of life. It's what doulas are really the stewards of. The unang yakap, the first embrace of life, as we say in the Philippines. It it is so important for peace. And that is doula. Please never doubt the profundity of your work, of your commitment to peace, because you are protecting the first embrace and i love you all for that i want to say thank you to all the people out there who are dedicated and devoted to mothers and babies and families thank you so much for your work and for your love we really we need each other
1: yes we do and and thank you thank you thank you so much to you ibu robin for all that you are and for for all that you do and we are sending you so much love and we will also be giving the information for how to, to donate to Bumi Sahat to keep all of that that amazing work that you're doing. Keep that going. Thank you so much. I love you. You've been listening to the Lamaz podcast. A big shout out today as always to our listeners. The Lamaz podcast is here for you. Please visit our website at www.lamaz.org To learn more about Lamaze, how to connect with a Lamaze childbirth educator and find Lamaze classes. Lamaze offers a plethora of resources related to pregnancy, childbirth, and parenthood. And don't forget to subscribe to the Lamaze podcast to enjoy past episodes and receive notifications when our new episodes drop. I look forward to you tuning in next time. For today, I've been your host, Robin Gibson-Douthit. Be well.